You ready to go? Yeah. Welcome back to another episode of the Open Road Podcast here with Calvin and Jared. Uh, it's Jeremy. Jeremy. Oh, Jeremy. Jeremy. We've been friends for over a decade and you forget what my name is? Has it been that long? <laughs> Ten years is a long time, Jer. It is. It is a long time. I think it might be slightly more than that. Yeah, yeah it might be. It's 11. What do you have kicking around in your life still that you definitely did when we were friends 10 years ago? Is that like habits, material possessions, character traits? In my mind, I was thinking like, oh, what t-shirts do I still have that I had 10 years ago? And I can think of a couple. So I was kind of aiming that toward material possessions. That's a really good question and is actually something that in some ways makes me a little bit sad because a lot of my band tees from when I was that age, like 10, 11 years yep. ago, yep. they yep. are now gone. Band tees are 100% gone. Right? I don't and have so any of them. To me, that's a bit sad. Kind of is because you buy that as like it's more than just a t-shirt. It's a memento of a good time. And of that stage right? of your it's life. It's an ultimate souvenir. And it's almost more than like, just the show. It's almost like that thing that one day when your kids are 16, they want to wear that cool shirt that their dad wore when they were 16. That's a good. That's a cool thought. I'd never thought about that. Yeah. Unless they think their dad is a total loser, which is probably the more likely scenario. Yeah. <laughs> but also like... In an ideal world, you'd still be wearing that shirt if you had it, right? Like right. What, uh, what shape is this t-shirt in that it's still around and like <laughs> your kid wants to wear it? Right. Like if your kid wants to wear it, it's obviously in decent shape and you should just still wear it yourself. Right. Right. Unless it doesn't fit, mm. which is conversation part B. Well, see, I did go undergo a transition from adult small to adult medium kind of around that time. Around that time. So how much did you weigh 10 years ago? Let's let's get into that. How much did I weigh 10 years ago? Yeah. How much did you weigh? Probably 130 pounds. Maybe less. 130 pounds. I was probably right on there. 130 pounds. And what you do you weigh today? Oh, I'm probably like 160 pounds. Same. Really? Yeah. We're not so different, you and I. <laughs> We're both here. We're both podcast hosts. We're yeah. both talking about how to find more adventure in the everyday. Let's Ten years later, podcast. all we have to show is like 30 pounds. 30 pounds and zero band tees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this took a turn for the worse. It took a turn. But you know what? Let's think about brighter times, Calvin. It is Spring is upon us. and you Classic know, spring th talk, Jared. Let's, that let's bring it out. Hit me with go. No, go. Okay, I'll go, and then you're going to hit yeah, me with you your, go. No, you your go. experience with spring. I was in BC last week, um, and in fact, our interview was recorded while I was out there. But dude, I got off the Buckle plane, and, and Vancouver is in like full swing spring, where all of the trees have these gorgeous blossoms on them. Oh, actually? Yeah, it was unbelievable. I was like, I forgot the beauty that every tree pumps out in springtime. Right. And it was all snowy and nasty back home. And I was like, I will bring this spring back with me. And now finally, three weeks into April here in Canada, do we finally have some sort of hint of spring? And I got to admit, it feels good. I was out this weekend cleaning up the sticks, getting rid of some of the leftover leaves in the bushes in our gardens. And it felt great. 
I, I love that. I love that visual. Why are you smiling like that? So, like, a couple things that I've observed as we, like, get into spring is, like, dude who is ultimate spring mode, but, like, <laughs> progressing way too fast. <laughs> like, getting into things like, whoa, let's just calm down. Like, weed let's whacker ju- out. Like, like, let's just get the lights off the house. Like, let's right. focus on that. They Like, just cool it, you know, with, like, the tulip bulbs. <laughs> I see this guy this weekend, Jared. We're we're down in Mississauga. We you and I hang out um, this weekend, and we're out. We're going to the park. We're taking note of the park Sunday morning, going for a walk down to the lake. And I see this dude who's just, again, progressed way too quickly into spring mode, and he's jumped right into August. And he's probably like dude in his mid forties, um, bit of flow, uh, cut off tee, and he's just strapped the blades on and going for a nice blade cruise. I love that. And I that. just thought. So amazing. Like he's solo, he's got the earbuds in. And to get into rollerblading takes a fair amount of like premeditation. Like you gotta get in the zone. Like I'm doing this by myself. Not really a whole lot of like exercise associated with it. A bit though. But really you're just out there to have a good time. Well, and I also love that he would guaranteed be blading through a couple of different things. One <laughs> is like melted snow off the last <laughs> chunk of snow. So it's like kinda nasty. Right. And then B, all of like the sand that's on the sidewalks from the from the winter, like that's not the sidewalks are not ready to blade or and the roads aren't either. Coming from a non-experienced blader, you well, would think that, but this guy's hardcore, obviously. Well, and this guy is a model of finding adventure in the everyday. He says, This is what I do, and I'm gonna do it today, even if it's early, and I'm gonna inspire everybody out there. And here we are talking about it. The other thing that I noticed with blading is, like, the more experienced you are with blading, the more protective gear you seem to wear. Interesting. Does that mean, like, you get there by falling (laughs) multiple times? Maybe. Or maybe it's just, like, older guys that, like, maybe it's the kind of, like, you got to keep up in the game with, like, new elbow pads, new wrist guards. Do you think that Knee pads, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think blading is more dangerous than biking? Right? There's no way. Why do they have so much gear? It's no, no, no. I, dangerous. I, th- I think it might be. How so? Like you risk going down a set of stairs? Yeah, well, not just that, but like if it's it seems like it'd be way easier to catch your edge, fall on your face, and knock out your front two teeth. Like to do that on a mm. bicycle, you have to like slam on the brakes and flip over the handlebars, which to me would happen way less than a blader tripping on a crack in the sidewalk and biffing. Yeah, I could see that. I just view them as very different falls. Like, when's the last time you fell off a bicycle? That's like what. It's a that's pretty why big. Like, it's a catastrophe. Well, yeah, but I think it might happen less. Is what Maybe I'm saying. Oh, uh, yeah. This is a I good topic. This is a good topic. So bladers, you're probably right. Bladers do probably fall like one out of five times out. There's probably like a little <laughs> bit of a spill. Yeah, like if as many it's people not like bladed it, as biked, then for sure there would be more people in the news. Yeah, like I can guarantee if I go on a bicycle, I'm not going to fall. Guarantee it. Uh, rollerblading, even though experience, I think there's a pretty good chance like you're going to biff somewhere. And when you do, you're scraping your knees, you're scraping your elbows, you're smashing your wrists, or you're smashing your teeth. Other thing, like blading is just misunderstood. It gets no respect on the streets. Oh, definitely not. Right? There's no one signaling for you. There's no one looking out for the blader. And that's another really interesting um, comment on, frankly, our society. Because bladers get zero respect. Hockey players get max respect. 
Could these guys get any more respected? They could And it's not. like a wussier blade. And then somewhere in the middle are field hockey players in terms of like the actual sport and mechanic, and they have even less respect than bladers. I feel like a lot of field hockey players though are like ex bladers that like gave up the blading. <laughs> <laughs> and then like but this is kinda like the retirement gig. That, like the they most, pick up field hockey. That's the most <laughs> anecdotal thing I've ever heard in my life. I what? feel like all field hockey players are <laughs> ex-bladers. <laughs> all I'm saying is there's other countries out there, and uh, you know, I know one of the members of Team Canada's hockey uh, field hockey team, and they okay. get zero respect in our country. And in the Netherlands, they are like the all-star, like million Instagram follower type people. You think so? No, I know so. Uh, that is a bit of a stretch, I think. It's uh, not. Is there They're a culture? Celebrities. Okay. Is there a culture in which blading has like surpassed bicycling or other like really kind of uh, maybe scootering perhaps where blading no. is just a norm? No. And you know why? I know that for a fact that it ha- there's no culture out there that has surpassed it. Why? Is because there is not a one minute video that has gone viral on Facebook saying this town in Southern who knows where is known for its blade trails. And then there's video of like <laughs> 5,000 people blading. <laughs> like what's the most ideal blade trail? Like perfectly flat. Yeah. I don't like know. Any kind of, any kind of incline and they're kind of screwed up or down. Well, I don't know about that. You ever seen someone try and break with blades? They got the little like <laughs> stopper block on the back. It looks like it's a, almost going to die. Oh, it's so good. It's there's so no right good. way to do it. Yeah, there is no right way. There is no yeah. right way. So anyway, that's spring. You, you you had another thought on spring. I didn't really. Um, spring cleaning. Um, we're doing some like spring cleaning stuff at work, Jer. Um, <laughs> I love the way you said that. It's like, what are we going to talk about on the podcast? <laughs> okay, write it on a list. Um, spring cleaning. Okay. <laughs> Hear me out here. This is a this is a big jump into spring cleaning, but it's a little story I wanted to share. Um. We're doing some renos on the office. So um, get this, Jared. Like our men's bathroom is getting renoed. So we got a couple couple toilets in there, a couple urinals, a couple sinks. It's getting yanked out, and I've been using the woman's washroom. <laughs> um, <laughs> the guy's putting new urinals in yesterday. So I go after work. Like, Is there a foul. barrier between them? Um, there, uh, no, there's no barrier. No barrier. Free. And they're kind of tight. <laughs> <laughs> I go to check out these new urinals, and I'm like, whoa, this guy used, like, LeBron James as a template. They're way too high. Whoa. I can't reach these things. Get out. 100% serious. He screwed up that bad? I bring this to the attention of a few other guys. I get in there today. Guys yanked them all down. Really? Yeah. (laughs) And is there, like, a spot on the wall for where they used to be? Yeah. He followed the old spot, but then I don't know what happened. You just got new urinals, and they're way too tall. I was nervous there. I thought I was going to have to get a stool or, you know, get into sit pee. That is hilarious. <laughs> I thought I was going to have to start sit peeing. Uh, how often, if you have a choice, would you sit pee versus use a urinal? You have the choice. I have the choice? Yeah. I would never do it. It's a waste not, of time. Not once. Do you know how efficient using a urinal is, Jer? It's pretty so efficient. fast. It's it so fast. fast. Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't know. There's just people out there who do it, and I w- I want to know if there would ever be a scenario when you would yeah. ch- choose that. Okay, I'll t- I'll t- I'll tell you a scenario. Um, wearing like a really light khaki pant at a nice dinner or something where I'm tucking in. Splashback. Uh, yeah, that's a really good point. 
Yeah. That's that, a really good tent. I think maybe that's maybe the only situation I would get into that. Or if I'm wearing a suit jacket and I don't know, like, and I have to take the suit jacket in, off anyways, and I want to do, like, a retuck and kind of shift the, everything around in there. The retuck, yes, that is another yeah. scenario. Now I'll go for it. How nasty is it to think about the fact that there's sometimes a little splash when you wear the khakis, therefore you would go and sit, and yet does that splash exist every time and therefore is on your pants every time? I mean, let's be real here. The splash exists got to be every time, right? I would have I mean, to, unless it's like I a beautifully engineered urinal and and if you hit it kind of on the uh, on the net, as I like to say. Yeah. Like on, on the bowl side. Yeah. You have to know what you're doing for sure. Yeah, but there's always going to be a couple. Anyway. I was talking to a guy today. And we were talking about urinals, and he's like, he grew up in like a big family farmhouse, and he's like, yeah, we had a urinal in my house growing up. What? Three boys. He's like, yeah, my dad just put a urinal in. That is so in the, awesome. In the family bathroom. And I was like, man, that's really weird. He's like, no, it's not. My brother's house down the road here has one in it. He's like, they've got three kids, like three little boys. They're just like, yeah, we're not cleaning this up. Like, just get a urinal. That actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> It's not cleaning. that like it's not that big of an ordeal like plumbing wise, and then like as far as resale, I thought like eh, that's not great for resale. But you just remove it, not a big deal. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, who knew? I always well, thought like uh, you know cribs, guys right. get urinals, yeah, but not every day. Cribs. Not yeah. every day adventure. No, I guess not. Right. Um, but speaking of cribs, um, our interview today is uh, with a friend of mine, Nathan. And he sold his crib in Guelph and moved his family across the country to Vancouver about three years ago. And the conversation we get into today is all about what happens when you say yes to adventure in the biggest way by blowing up your life in one place and completely transporting it to another. Oh, you die in a jar. Yeah. And so um, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to listen to this because I think it's... Um, as far as our interviews go, this is like a pretty like practical one. You and I both know people that have done this and that maybe in the future will do this. And I think the cool thing is like there's no saying, um, you know, that we won't do this ourselves, right? You never know how attached you are until um, there's an opportunity arises that you consider like, whoa, would we actually do this? Yeah, and the thing that's really nice about this this conversation with Nathan is that him and I were fairly good friends while we worked together or at mm-hmm. least knew each other and I know his story a little bit more than a different guest that we may get on. And so I feel as though we were really quickly able to jump to sort of some of the more um, meaningful and challenging and sort of, I don't know, just it was just a richer conversation. Um, right. So for right. those of you out there listening... Um, uh, you know, th- it's nice. Uh, just go into this knowing, wow, we're three. He's three years into this, and therefore, it's nice to get that full picture of some of the ups uh, and downs. And one other quick thing to note is, I did just place my Zoom recorder on his uh, kitchen table, so the audio isn't going to be quite as crisp as this. But it'll, it's, it's still nice and clear. But you know, I just want you know, it's the raw feel of in the room. Yeah, and the, and the cool thing is that um, not often do we have interviews where we're really, really. Um friendly with the person or we know them well so it's kind of um, as we've talked about them podcast before this is kind of jumping ahead um, almost to like a a conversation two three um, episodes in kind of yeah exactly so here's my conversation with Nathan Schur all about the adventure of pretty much starting over 
I'm here in Vancouver with uh, Nathan Sure, What's up, buddy? Not much. Just chilling. And I'm here with work. And Nathan and I, we worked together a little while ago, uh, a couple years ago now. And anytime we go to Vancouver, I do my best to say hello. And we were just sitting, having a coffee, catching up, chatting about this, that, and the other. And then this topic of, um, I, I guess, moving somewhere new, starting a fresh new adventure came up because... Um, again, Nathan and his wife, they moved out here to pretty much no one that you knew. You Didn't know a soul. Yeah. So I think it's an interesting topic in the realm of adventure to talk about what's it like to take a bold step like that. Because frankly, when I heard you were moving out here, that's really what I thought it was. And that's in that is like the new possibilities and the excitement of that adventure. And then all of those unknowns. And now we've, you've been here for like almost over three years. Coming up on three years now. So I think your perspective would be really helpful to kind of even talk through what was it like three years ago when you guys made that big decision. What's it been like in the middle, finding community, kind of all of that stuff. So I don't know where a good place to start is. Maybe even take me back to when you guys were like, okay, we're, we're out, we're moving. What sure. was that because, what, what like why? Sure. Well, I, th I think it even starts a little bit before there. Perfect. So we worked together, Jared and yeah. I. For I was at that company for 10 years and during that time I did their video work. So, you know, corporate video, all of that sort of stuff. And during that time I was building up a side business. So doing my own sort of video work for clients. Yeah. And as I built that up, that was slowly growing and then it got, you know, a little bigger and then it got a little out of hand. So I, I needed to make a change. Cause you, and you were like traveling all over, right? Like you were yeah. down in Sarnia all yes. the time and like. Yeah, it was getting out of control where my weekends I was working, was my evenings weekend, I was yeah. working, and I was taking vacation to do work. <laughs> and if you know me, that is not me at all. <laughs> so something needed to give, and I'm a very slow decision maker. Very slow. Yeah. And so this, this decision of me wanting to leave my job to start my own business was about a three-year process. It took me <laughs> so long? long. It was terrible. It was terrible. I'm a nervous guy. But anyway, I got to the point where I needed to make that change yeah. and I went ahead and did it. Quit my job and I was on my own, living my dream as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Well, about three weeks after I quit my job, my wife, who had been with her company now for about two or three years, uh, got offered a job in Vancouver. And the stipulations on her taking that job was you need to make a decision in the next couple of weeks because we need someone out there fast. And my wife, the complete opposite of me, <laughs> is like, do we do this? Should we do this? And I'm like, well, I just made the biggest decision of my life. It took me three years to do. And I'm like, finally doing this. I built up this client base. Like, I can't like leave. But there was something like that was so exciting about right. going to Vancouver and uh, we literally made a decision in about two days. Yep, we're moving. Wow. I didn't realize it was that. <laughs> yeah. It, it happened fast, but you all, like, from my perspective, I was like, oh, they've clearly been talking about this for a long time. We're like... No. The, the, <laughs> everyone assumed I quit my job because I knew this. we were going to Vancouver. Right, right, but right. I had no idea. This all just happened within this, like, really? three-week period. Yeah, it's, it was insane. And my nervous brain, like, did not handle it well. I was freaking out, but I was excited. And uh, yeah, so we decided we were going to do that and we looked at our life and thought, what do we need to bring? And we decided nothing. Let's sell and give away everything that we have. So we literally 
just started throwing stuff up on Facebook. Really? Saying, Does anyone want this? Does it? Yeah. And Is there a big screen TV I missed out on? Yeah, you did miss Dang. out on that. <laughs> but yeah, we we got rid of it all, and oh. we we drove out here with what we could fit in our car. And your and dog. We, we had our dog, which <laughs> took up pretty much the whole back seat. She's sitting looking at us now. This, this is a Great Dane. It's a Great Dane. Yeah, her name's massive Betty. Massive dog. Yeah, she anyway. put 130 pounds. Yeah. Anyway, so we came out here with nothing and knowing no one wow. to the point where when we drove in and we parked our car in the garage, we thought. We need to go get an air mattress or something for our first night. Really? And so we went to Costco, picked up an air mattress, and yeah. Seriously? Yeah, we, we had literally nothing. And not only did we like have to find where our house was that we rented sight unseen, but we um, had to figure out like where are we going to get food? Where, just the classic things. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Everything was just up in the air. Everything was up in the air, which for me was like, oh, my nerves could barely handle it. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So yeah, that that's kind of the story of like what brought us out here. And then on top of that, yeah, we knew no one. Yeah. So that was probably the hardest part about this decision and the move was leaving our group of friends, people we know, people we love, people we've pretty much, you know, grown into adults with. Right. Because um, we had been in Guelph for about over over 10 years. Right. So. And at this point, you guys are like early 30s when you guys yes. came out? Yeah. Uh, yeah, early yeah, mid. mid yeah, <laughs> in our in our thirties. In your thirties. In our thirties. But yeah, like that's a pretty formative time. Those ten years of building community and yeah, because when I was at Eagles Flight, I was I came fresh out of university, and really? that's that's all I knew. Right. That's all I I um I just I eat slept Eagles Flight. Yeah. yeah. That's all. That's all, all yeah, I had. Yeah. So not having that, not having family, not having friends. What were we thinking? Why did this seem like a good idea? Those questions all sort of came into our head, but like pretty, like pretty instantly, or well, I had them the entire drive. <laughs> I had them the entire time, and um, I think I think Tiff was just the excitement carried her through it, right. and I think that that you know took me through it as well, right? Because um, for her, it was an exciting change for sure. <laughs> That's good. That's good audio. Wow. Hope it picks that up. <laughs> yeah, for her it was exciting because she's coming out here. She has the excitement of something new. She's right. going to be connecting with you know a new sales team, a new right. department. Right. Sorry. It's totally. Do fine. you edit? I like it. I want it. Yeah. <laughs> Betty, go lay down. Go lay down. Yeah. So she had this this exciting like work opportunity, right? right. So she's going to be connecting with people. She's got that to sort of feed her like yeah. every morning. Get up. Oh, what am I doing? Where right. I'm looking at wow, I just spent all this time building up this business and I got to start all over again. Right, and the last few years working uh, at Eagles Flight, you were like, maybe I want something new. I've been here for 10 years. Yeah. It's been the same gig, right. really, and the future of it was kind of more of the same. Right, that's so, what it was looking like. Right, yeah. so I mean, maybe there would have been some minor differences, but as far as the size of our company is concerned, it was kind of like, that's this is kind of the role. I was in that role and I could see myself being in that role for a while. Right. And that didn't excite me at all. Right. So I was I was open to something new, but I didn't know what that was going to be. Right. right? Um, so being out here and thinking about starting over was one thing. And then the other thing that was going on during this time, which was huge for me, was starting that other podcast. Right. And that podcast was based around hanging out with friends and being, you know, right. in a friendship with guys. And how, how do you deal with that and navigate that? Right. So... 
now I'm having to tell these guys that I've just committed to, oh, we're going to do this podcast about friendship yeah. and see ya, I'm leaving. Um, and this is before we've even released our first episode. <laughs> so that was, that was another huge thing for me to, right. to deal with. Right. And cause really, you're, cause you're, you're going off on your own, you're starting your own business and you're like, Oh, and I have time for a cool podcast project exactly. I was working on. And then all of that just gets thrown out the window and you're like, do I, yeah. Yeah. So I had full confrontations with certain friends being right. like, why are you, why are you moving? Like, why are you moving? Like, so you're willing to throw our friendship like out the door which I thought was pretty heavy right? and I didn't understand and I didn't get, and I got really defensive. So there was some arguing, but looking back and we can get to this uh, later on, I, I kind of see where they're coming from now because right. in my mind, it's like, uh, it's the year 2016. Like there's Facebook, there's every, right. like, we'll, we'll talk every day. I've got some family here. I'll be back once in a while. Yeah, I'll keep coming back. <laughs> we'll talk all the time. Like, why wouldn't we still be friends? Right. Because, in my mind, yeah, I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to talk. And I think that was one of the quick lessons that I learned when I came out here mm-hmm. was I was calling my friends because I was looking for something to do and I was looking to keep that relationship going and life went on for them. Right. So life continued. They, they were going to work. They had their kids. They had their families. They had everything. And... I was here thinking about, hey, what are they doing? Right, right, You know right, what right. I mean? So, I don't have a whole lot going on, so I'll call yeah, them. Yeah, and... yeah. And they, they want to hear from me, but, and, and it just, it was hard. It, was, it didn't work as smoothly as I thought it was going to work. Hmm. So that sort of kicked me into gear of like, okay, well, it's, it's time to make friends here. Like, what, how is that going to work? Hmm. Which I'm still trying to figure out how that works. Right. But um, my go-to was sports. That was my initial, like... That, that worked for me in high school. That right. worked for me growing up. Right. All right, let's join a league. Let's let's hit that up and see what happens. So I started joining like sports leagues, rec stuff. Nice. Did some volleyball, did some hockey. And um, yeah, made, made, some, made some friends through there. Now, I mean, they're friends, I would say, but they're acquaintances. And like I can right. hang out with them. Right. And I'm in, not going deep. And in nowhere is it you, you just... And, and not that you're like... I need to go deep super fast. You're like, it takes 10 years or two years or five years of like meaningful interaction and shared experience to have the types of friendships that you had in Ontario. Oh, for sure. It takes, it takes 10 years and it takes like adventures. It yeah. takes experiences to yeah. go through together, right? Yeah. You need to, you need to have bigger experiences than we hang out and play hockey once a week for 10 years. That doesn't work. Right. And cause if you even think of like, what conversations happen like you're playing the game you're talking yeah. about the game and in the locker room you're probably talking about the game <laughs> and exactly. then if you go for beers once a week that's like an hour or two and you're talking about the game that <laughs> you just go there right you're not going to get in that transition to like getting into like deep conversation yeah. like how do you make that where did where does that even start I mean, right it's, it's difficult it's difficult the other thing is couple friends, hmm. which is, has been another key for us yeah. because my wife is, she just makes friends with everyone she meets. Right. And so I find I'm, I'm being the husband that's brought into couple friends, mm-hmm. which I don't mind that role, but, um, it's, it's tough. Right. It's tough. Like you, you feel like you're being judged. <laughs> like it's just, you're walking in and who do they want me to be? Who am I? Right. I mean, it, it really... This type of scenario really gets you to a point where you start question, like asking big questions about yourself. Hmm. Like, who am I? Hmm. Like, 
I know who I am with my friends and I know who I am with my old coworkers and I know who I am when I go into work. But when I'm here and I don't know anyone and I'm meeting new people, why am I questioning all that again? I'm so in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really, it's rattled me. Right. It's it's taken me to some places that I didn't expect to go and some old things have come up and it's just issues I didn't know I was dealing with have come up through this. So it's been pretty interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And like, I don't know how, how, what you want to share, but what's maybe one example of that? I I can totally picture when, and it's probably a little bit the opposite with, with, with my wife and I, where, you know, she used to live out here and she came to Ontario for school and started to make her networks. But ever since we settled in Ontario, like it's been like that a lot where it was me bringing her. So I haven't really had the experience (laughs) from the other side. Now we've been fortunate enough to make a lot of friends together, her and I, but for like any of my high school friends, a lot of my camp friends, a lot of these friend groups, it's, it's really been like that. And I haven't ever really had that experience with her except a little bit with her and her work colleagues. But yeah, you get into that scenario and you know that your significant other has had actually some history and some relationship. And you're like, how do I really like fit in and make sure I'm making them look good and like right. like yeah what were some other like what are some things that kind of came up for you well I, I think for me one thing that came up and I'm sure a lot of listeners will be able to relate to this is um like social anxiety issues mm. where I never knew I had that and I still don't know if I do I don't I, I, I really struggle with it I think a lot of people who know me look at me and think yeah, you you definitely have those type of tendencies. What? I don't know. I, I've, I've heard <laughs> that. But at the same time, like, I just don't know if it's real or not. But being taken out of an environment you're comfortable in and being put in, in yeah. a place that where you don't know anyone, you don't know anything, really, the anxieties come up that you don't know you have. Hmm. So things like, you know, walking in to, to meet my wife's friends, where that normally, I wouldn't think twice about that if I was in my home base. where right. I Right. But all of a sudden, I'm like, who am I? Like, what, <laughs> like, what does... And yeah. it really, like, it's a tough thing to do because these people are in their comfort zone. They all know everyone. Right. And my wife's all excited because she is getting to know these people. So she's pumped up. And I'm coming in as this, like, hi, I'm with her. Right, um, right. I want you to like me. It's, it's the movie I love you, man, like, all <laughs> over again. Like, that's how yeah. I, exactly how I feel. And do you find it's like in those scenarios, it's like often a lot of small talk and then you don't, don't want to have to get into that. Or is it like, Jerry, it's, it's so much small talk (laughs) because that's what I would do. Right. But here's where it gets me is the small talk always goes to, so what do you do for work? Right. And right now my work is so confusing even to me (laughs) because I'm still trying to figure out what my work is. Right. Right. So that conversation is one that just never goes well because I'm trying to explain, well, I do freelance uh, video work and, Oh, who do you work? Well, I'm getting to know people. So, so there's that whole side of things. Um, And that's like an, that's like the fairest question to ask because it's like, what, what, what is your day to day? Like, Oh, maybe I can find a connection point to this person in this way. Right. And like, that's obviously where it starts to get somewhere else, but (laughs) that's funny. Yeah. And when, when you don't have people that you're regularly connecting with, you feel like you're always starting over. Right, right. right. So it's that feeling of like, oh, here we go again. Okay. Right, right. So yeah, like even in my own mind, I have that script completely rehearsed 
for when someone says, what do you do? Yeah. You know, I have my two minute spiel that throws enough out there that they can probably grab onto one or two things. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like already thinking about the next four things I might say in that scenario and really mm-hmm. listening to like, yeah. So yeah. if, yeah. So when you say like, who am I? And that's one of the questions mm-hmm. that you kind of even have for yourself. If you're, that makes it pretty hard. Well, the who am I question, it goes even deeper because oh, of course, of when, course. You, when you have time, which I have right now because I'm still building up clients and I have extra days where yeah. I'm working on side projects and doing things like that, it really gives you the opportunity to try things. Right. And I'm, I'm someone who loves trying new things, yeah. but sticking with new things is, has always been difficult for me. Right. So I'm caught in this web of like, Having time to try things, trying things, right, and then that fades away, and then I'm just trying the next thing and right. trying the next thing. Right. So when I say I'm like finding out who I am, learning about who I am, I mean I'm a man, like I'm a, I'm a grown up, right? right? <laughs> so it's it's very odd for me to be having this conversation because I thought life would be set. I thought I knew exactly where I was going. Everything was lined up, and. Now I'm thinking like, what do I want to do? Like the world is mine. I can do whatever I want. And that's causing me to go down these paths and try things. And I'm constantly, I'm doing boxing. I'm trying to learn how to fight. And I'm like, who (laughs) who am I? That's not me. And then I quit after three weeks. And I'm like, what am I? Am I this person who just like goes out and wants to do everything? And then at the end of the day has nothing to show for it for the past couple of years. Like, do you know what I mean? So it really turns into this dark, like, Oh, like what am I doing? Like, yeah, what yeah, what yeah. is happening? Like, do I just go full blast and build up my client base and get right back into it and, and, and be a video guy again? Right. Or is that going to send me down a path of, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. Right, right. Right. I'm not sure. Or do I want to be the guy who's going out and interviewing for new jobs and, Right. Like, like doing a resume. What's a resume? Like, <laughs> could you imagine doing a resume? Like no. I, I can't even imagine right now. Right. right, right. And I'm thinking about that. Like I'm, I, I went onto a job site and I right. was like, what am I doing? Dude, is this what I want to do? Now I sound like, it sounds awful because right, right, I'm, right. I'm in this like position where I can, I can actually question mm-hmm. what do I want to do? Right. But, and you have like a certain amount of stability and security and yes. like your wife has a great job, but it's, I think that almost makes it more interesting because again, yes. you have this opportunity that you're like, well, what am I, what do I do with it? How do I make the most of it? But like, yeah. How do I deal with the fact that my wife is now carrying me, <laughs> which is another whole topic. Right. Like this move has literally opened up forks that I like forks in the road, things to think about that I never thought I would ever question. Right. And that question of like, yeah, my wife, my wife makes the majority of our money. Right. How, like, what do I do with that? Am right. I cool with that? Am right. I, am I good enough to, to handle that? Right. And at first I, I don't think I was. Mm. And it wasn't because, you know, I was jealous of her or I was embarrassed. It was because of that question of like, I don't, I'm, I'm losing track of who I am. Mm. And that's leaving me with my thoughts. And that is not a good place. (laughs) Alone and with my thoughts. Alone and with my (laughs) thoughts. And already thinking negative thoughts. Hmm. So Hmm. yeah, that's kind of where I went. Well, it's, it's interesting the way this just connects to the larger, um, the larger conversation about finding meaning and purpose in life in general. And I think, 
um, I was even talking about this with my father-in-law this morning where there are so many different places where people find their meaning. We were talking actually a little bit about regret and having oh, regrets in life yeah. and how it was this interesting conversation where we were talking about the different places where you can find meaning and purpose. And, you know, there's people who will find ultimate meaning in God. There's people who will find meaning in uh, job performance, people who find meaning in relationships. And like, there's a lot of different places where people find meaning where I think um, you're left with regret if you put too much of your meaning in a certain thing. Right. Right. So if you put too much meaning in something and it doesn't turn out, like I would say like, you know, financial gain is probably one mm-hmm. of those places that, you know, everyone needs enough money to live. And then you also know these people who like focus way too much on only like that one track mind to get more and more money. Like, like we don't really believe it, but we know that that's not going to actually lead to somewhere. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like we'd say, okay, I'd rather find, I'd rather have millions of dollars and then I'll tell you if it, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Let so, me test that. right. <laughs> so, so people will still pour into that because they do think that it'll actually get them to where they want. Yeah. So you're in this interesting like place where you, I think you're trying to really find out like what is meaningful. What, what is something that is, going to give me like the right amount of purpose because you've had a job that was stable and gave you something to do every day. Mm-hmm. You've done the freelancing mm-hmm. thing. You've now, you're now in kind of a place where you do have like a little bit of time mm-hmm. and you're like, I think new experience is something that is really valuable. So you're seeking a few of those. But to mm-hmm. me, it sounds like there's this interesting mix of what do I actually think is important in like life? Yeah. And that's a huge question that has a million answers. And it also has no answers. Mm -hmm. I I mean, you can look for that in so many places and you cannot find it. Right. So, yeah, it's really difficult. And that, I mean, here's a story. So I, just to to show you sort of like where I've gone (laughs) in all of this, I was working, doing some editing at my at home here yeah. and it was it was a morning I, I was supposed to be recording a podcast with some of my friends yeah. and they all bailed on me <laughs> so I was like great and I was just at a low moment where I'm like I needed this guy it's like I needed to record with you today like, right, right, right. I just needed that right so I went back to my editing it's about like 9 30 maybe 10 in the morning I'm wearing sweatpants like I'm just like I look like garbage <laughs> I probably didn't shower I'm low and I'm like okay <laughs> What do I do? Like, how do I pull myself? I need to get out of this. Right. So I went, I opened my computer and I'm like, I'm, I'm ordering a pizza. Like I'm literally ordering a pizza. So I go get on the Domino's website, put in all my info, order my pizza, click, click the, the finish button and an alert comes up that the store is not open. <laughs> and I sunk even lower. Like I was like, that is pretty much the lowest I've ever been and then a little option came up and said would you like to still order for a particular time right and so of course I did that so I ordered for 11 11 this yeah you could possibly sweet get your yeah. pizza and then they said well delivery doesn't start until noon so I'm like okay whatever so I, I order I, I get it delivered till noon and I'm working at my desk and I'm just I'm pretty sad and the doorbell rings and it's a Domino's guy and I stumble down, still in my track pants, unshowered, hair a mess. And uh, he looks at me, hands me my pizza. And I thought he was going to completely just judge the crap out of me. And he's like, do you work from home? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And he's like, man, you're living the dream. 
I was just like, it just rocked me that like, here I am, like at my lowest point in life, just like, I couldn't have been lower. And this guy looked at me like I was a god. And he, was just, and he was just like, one day, one day, I will get there. One day, it'll be 12 o'clock, and I will still yeah. be in my pajamas. Yeah, and I was kind of embarrassed by my situation. Right, 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 I'm like, right, right. wow, who am I? Like, And uh, yeah, like that to me was just like a perspective moment of like, right. okay, like, listen, it's not that bad. Right. You're doing all right. Right. But, I mean, this, this whole like mental health craze that's going on now has really like awoken me to a lot of things and just mm. looking at things differently mm. and um trying to figure out what it all means but mm-hmm. yeah it's hard but when you get that sort of perspective wake up call it's like okay you're gonna be okay <laughs> yeah and i think it, it would be really interesting to learn more about how the mental health equation fits into all of this because you know i think more now than ever we have uh, visibility to thousands of people living different lifestyles than our own. And it's so unbelievably easy to compare what we're doing to what other people are doing. Right. So the guy, the Domino's guys, like this guy's living the dream me in Ontario. I'm like, Oh, like, you know, Tiff and Nathan are having this cool adventure out there and, you know, she's finding success in her job and he gets to continue to freelance and he still comes back from time to time. And whenever I chat with him, like things are pretty good. So like, I have this perception of you that like is even learning now totally pretty far from what's really happening. And, and I can't like, I think the toll that that takes on people's, um, sense of well-being, sense of purpose, sense of meaning, sense of who they are. Like, I think that wears on us. I think it like chips away because anytime we think we're doing half decent, we either see someone who we think is better or we start to feel a little bit guilty that my life is actually pretty freaking good right now. And am I allowed to be happy about that? Oh yeah. Yeah, that's true. And right? I, so there's like, you can't win. Yeah. You, you really don't know what's going on with anyone when you, when you're talking with them, unless mm-hmm. you're really close with them and you're very honest. But I, I mean, and, and all that to say, there's been moments of, of feeling low. There's been moments of thinking, are we ever going to make friends? There's been moments of looking around and thinking, was this the right move? Like, yeah. And then on top of that, there's been amazing moments. Yeah. And the sense of doing something with your partner and just going out on a limb and being like, let's do this. And we have no one's help. And this is all on us. And we can do whatever we want and be whoever we want to be. And really like get a chance to start over and that alone has been worth it even with me going through Mm. these feelings of like trying to figure out who I am um which when you look at it is also a very awesome chance that I have Mm. like I I look at this now where I feel like I've come out of that we've made our friends we're starting to like like this feels like home right it doesn't when I walk into the house, it smells like our house. When, when I'm in Ontario visiting people, I want to get back here now. Mm-hmm. So that shift has happened, but it, it's a process. It definitely is. And it's something that I didn't expect to be as hard as it was. Mm-hmm. And I think Tiffany, just because of her personality, it wasn't a challenge for her. Right. So it, it's been interesting. Well, yeah, that is, that is definitely... Uh, then an interesting interesting dynamic for you as a couple to work through and to make that decision together. But that is that's one thing that is is interesting that you said about it's just us and it's 
it's it's completely up to us and I I feel as though that's probably one of the was one of the most challenging things is to leave behind all of the security and some of the structures that like allowed you to feel feel good and I think about those for me and it's like yeah like having my family close is nice having all my friends close is nice like imagine push putting that all behind you're left to confront yourself and your relationship with your spouse mm-hmm. and like there you can't hide behind anything and that's what I think is really interesting about what you're talking about is you've been given this unique opportunity to have to to, to be forced to dig into that because all of that other stuff was stripped away and I think very few people are ever get that opportunity in life because it's way easier to just stay in the job that you have than to say, no, today is the day I'm going to quit. Mm-hmm. Like today it's easier to stay than to make the tough decision to leave. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. for so many people, we have all of these little things in our lives that potentially are covering up all of these things that are lying somewhere a little bit below the surface. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, we, like you said, we were forced to, face each other every day right uh because that's all we had right and that brought up a ton of like interesting things we needed to work through that we didn't know and that brought up a lot of interesting emotions and it was awesome like Hmm. i mean we're way better off now than when we were living with all our friends and that security right because we were forced to deal with things we didn't even know we had to deal with Hmm. and we were only able to deal with those things and they were only brought to the surface because we decided to take this leap and the i mean the question everyone asked us was why like why would you do this like i mean you have this base of friends you have your family here you have everything that is your life is made up of right like why these are all the important pieces you have them you're good dude. yeah yeah like you're gonna go out there and, and not have any of that like why would you do that and and i don't think there's a clear answer on why just this sense of like hmm. well we can do that all over again in a new place and try something completely different and take a risk yeah and we we had the intention of if it doesn't work out then okay we'll just go back or we'll right like who cares yeah um but I think like you talked about regrets and that, that is another big, I think, reason for the move too, mm. is this idea of, are we going to look back on this opportunity and be like, oh, when, you know, back when we were in our thirties, we had the chance to move across to the West coast and we never took it. And, and we didn't want that hanging there for the rest of our life. I've had enough regrets. Like I made, I made, so to tell you the amount of time <laughs> I've had. I've made regret lists since I've lived here. Oh yeah, I made regret lists. I have them in in my uh, Google Docs, and I I think it's a good thing to write down and just Hmm. just look back on the things that you didn't do that you're like, man, I really wish I gave that a try. Hmm. Um, Because what would some things be on that list of things you tried, things you should have said to somebody, or I had the opportunity once where I was asked to. be on a broadcast team for a sports sports event yeah and um i loved i like when i got asked i was just like that's amazing and for me that was good enough just being asked and Mm. i said no Mm. so i find my personality type and and the type of guy that i am for some reason i'm good with the ask i'm good with the acknowledgement right but following through on it or like going with it 
that's like another whole level of acceptance that you have to do. So you all, you, in that scenario, you found your purpose in being wanted. I was wanted. Right. They wanted me to do it. And that was, that was a win for me. Yeah, and yeah. then I didn't have to take the risk of like failing at it. I didn't mm. have to. Yeah. So that, that's one that's definitely stands yeah. out in my head. I also had, um, a job opportunity that I, I didn't think I was ready to do. And I said no to it. Mm. And every part of me now wishes that I did that and I'm not going to get that back. Mm. So yeah, regrets are powerful, man. Like that, just having them. And I mean, I, I can't remember where I heard it, but there was someone saying, you know, one of the saddest things in life is talking to like a senior citizen, <laughs> an old person and hearing them talk about regrets. Right, like, right. Like, it's a scary right. real thing. And, That's probably yeah. an important conversation to have that I think. Like for everyone, anyone listening, ask your, ask your grandparents what they regret because that holds a lot of power, right? Because if you can avoid some of those oh, yeah. mistakes, I think that like to think about someone who's at the, in the final stages of their life and to think about what are the things that are keeping them up at night or like still concern them about a whole life's worth of living. That's pretty powerful. Oh, it totally is. And, and I think that you will find that there are a lot more regrets than you'd imagine. Um, a lot of people say live with no regrets. It's like this little cliche catchphrase. What would you say to people who kind of hold that view? To people who live without regrets? Yeah. Like if someone like is embodying that spirit, Oh, I'm just going to live with no regrets. Like I'm not going to regret anything I ever did. Well, I <laughs> like I think it's problematic in a few ways, but like, do you have any? Yeah, I think y you can't do everything, right. and there's a sense of like what what I was talking about this idea of committing to something and not just being someone who wants to try everything because right. um, there there's one you can try things and you can attempt to do things, but if you're not following through, you might as well, the trying. I don't really think that it it pays off all that much because it's just another box you've checked. Right. rather than actually committing to something. So the idea of living with no regrets and just, I do it all, uh, to me, I, I don't know if that flies in reality. Yeah, and the, the other thing that I think a little bit too is like, if, you're, if you don't ever regret things you did or just like, it's almost like you're justifying any of your bad behavior. Or hmm. like, I feel like if it's like, oh, well, I don't regret what I did to that person because they said xyz so this is like i have a good reason for why i did that you're not really analyzing yeah. in a self-reflective way of what you could have done differently like if you're living with no regrets you're like everything i've done brought me to the place where i am right now yeah. and the place that and that's and that's all that matters and so i'm not gonna work like so i think on one hand don't like dwell on your regrets and like do something about them but then on the other hand don't think that everything you've done is just perfect <laughs> yeah i had a guy say I don't believe in regrets. Right. Yeah, I'm like, what? What are you talking about, man? Right. Yeah. Okay. So I like, yeah, I'm like, what would you say to, like, I just, I find that attitude just kind of, it's not really a place where conversation can happen. No, because <laughs> regrets are such a great learning tool and they're, they're something that you, you need to have in your life in order to be able to move forward in certain areas. So yeah. if, if you don't have... If you don't have some regrets of things that you wish you did, or yeah. you, you're not going to have that drive to right. to actually try new things, or right. yeah, or not do the things that you you did once. Or, right, like take yeah, yeah. No, that's interesting. Um, 
you're where we're sitting right now. You're a, f- a few years in, mm-hmm. um, and there's clearly been a lot of learning and self reflection. Um, where do you find yourself today a little bit and what, like, when were some of the lowest points? Was it first few months, like partway through? Has it just been a constant roller coaster? <laughs> it's been, it's been a pretty constant roller coaster. I think, I, I don't think the first few months were the hardest at all. I think the first few months were maybe uh, almost the easiest because you're just, just riding the high, <laughs> we're buying new things, we're living the life. Every time we go somewhere, it's You're somewhere trying new. new craft beers. New you got craft. Fernie Brewing Co. right here. Beautiful Pilsner I'm drinking. <laughs> but yeah, there was too much new and there was, it was just far too exciting right. to, to, to really feel all that low. I think the, the lowest times came when that began to fade away and um, I found myself... I got into a rhythm of working really quickly mm-hmm. because I was like, I got to jump on this and do this. Right. Um, and I just felt like, oh, am I doing this again? Am I just grinding here? Am I like, this isn't what I want to be doing. Like, I like the video side of work, but I like when the work was coming to me. Right. I don't want to be going out finding it. I don't want to talk to too many people, <laughs> um, which hurts when you're trying to make friends. Um, and then that's when um, I found the connection to back home slowly start tapering off. Right. Where the phone calls were happening less frequently. Um on both sides, because there was part of me at one point that switched into a mode of like, I got to make friends here. I got to, I got to stop putting all my time into like, who am I talking to today from home? Who am I calling tonight? Who am I recording with? All that sort of stuff was like, I, I, I pushed that to a, to sort of the back seat and focused more on, on making friends here and committing to my life here because you can't move out here and live in your head back in Ontario. Right, like a, a human only has 100% capacity. You don't have 200. Exactly. Well, I have about 150. 150, yeah, that's I good, think, that's good. I think. Um, so I think that uh, that was probably about, you know, six months to a year where it was sort of like that was my, my low time. Right, and everyone's like, Nathan Tiff, they're gone. Yeah. Like they're yeah. now settled over there. and Life goes on. My side projects that I was working on with a lot of my friends back in Ontario yeah were dropping off they just weren't happening as frequently um so yeah that that was where it was the lowest and then it was sort of like okay now i gotta shift gears again there's just been a lot of gear shifting and i, <laughs> and I drive an automatic car. i drive an automatic i mean i never learned standard but yeah so i, I think that that initial wave of excitement carried us through yeah. then it dipped low yeah. and then it's like okay we got to get out of this and, mm. and now i think we've gotten to a point where we have made our friends. I have consistent enough work now. Um, my wife is is continuing to work hard and making friends at her job um, and bringing me into those relationships. I have enough sports on the go. Um, so I, we're in a good place now. This feels like home. I wouldn't change it for the world. Mm. I miss my friends from Ontario dearly. I completely, like, that is the one thing. When people are like, what do you miss? Well, the people. Like right, right, right. The people, right. completely. Yeah. Right, and relationships. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, to me, it's a, a more encouraging story than it is discouraging because, like, it's what's real. That's, yeah. like, that's what, it just makes sense that you would move across the country and things would be challenging yeah. and they would be new and they would be fresh and they'd be exciting on some days and horrible uh, on other days. And I think that's what, that's what our life is regarding 
regardless. And we just sometimes put all these things in place to be able to like block out any of the bad so that we protect ourselves from it. Like I think people are kind of protective in general. Right. Um, but I think you learn and grow the most when you're just confronted with that. Hmm. And you have to ask that question. Who am I? Like we spend our whole lives building up in many ways, the way other people think about us, mm-hmm. you know, like I know exactly where I am in the pecking order at work. Right. I know exactly who likes me, exactly um, who I like. Right. <laughs> and, and, and how all of that works and knowing that being comfortable with that therefore gives me, you know, security and purpose and meaning and good relationships. But if all that's gone, yeah, I, I can't imagine I'd be asking questions that are any different from what you're asking. Yeah, I, I love the way that you said that because you can literally be having all the feelings I'm having and not know you're even having them because right. you go straight from work to your friend's place to blah, blah, blah. And those questions just never get asked. Right. Right. And you don't you don't dig deep to find out who you really are. Is this the life that I want? And, you know, are... If I could pick my friends, are these the friends I would pick? Right. Or is it just that I live next door to them? I work with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we now have the opportunity, and this is uh, this is how Tiff explains it: is like, you know, when parents of adopted children are like, we picked you. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But that's how we feel about. We have the opportunity now to pick what we want. Right. And um, choose the life that we want. Choose the friends that we want. Yeah. And um, you can really get stuck in a rut and. We, we didn't move out here to escape anything. We moved out here because we thought it would be a, a fun move. And yeah. uh, it's turning out that way, yeah. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, I, I just think that's a really helpful conversation and a really real perspective on what, you know, the adventure of picking up your life and dropping it in a new place looks like. And I think, um, I, I imagine your attitude throughout the whole thing has had a big impact on how you felt on any given day would you say that or no yeah and i have a terrible attitude (laughs) (laughs) i'm pretty negative so it's very easy for me to to slide to those dark places and it's for me the wins are the the days where i'm like yeah let's do this right right, right, but definitely attitude attitude is everything yeah 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 well any other kind of final thoughts that you think might be good little pieces of advice if someone were to if, if anyone was in the middle of considering a big life change live with no regrets <laughs> um no i would say i would say don't go that far but i think taking chances going after things doing things that you didn't initially think oh, oh I'm, I'm gonna move across the country yeah. or uh why not i, I in my mind it's like you can do whatever you want in this life. And I wish I grew up in more of a, an environment where that was spoken a little right. more, where it was like, you know, Ethan, what do you want to do? You want to be in a sports broadcaster? Well, you can do that. Right. I, I, I wish I had a little bit more of that um, pushing me and I'm, I'm starting to learn that now. And I think that's a part of me finding out who I am yep. and that idea of, I can go after whatever I want right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do that. And that's what's exciting. And that's the kind of thing that's waking me up in the morning these days is the fact that I can do stuff like that. And I think for anyone out there who finds himself in a situation that's new, maybe you're starting a new job, maybe you've just moved somewhere new, maybe you know you got moved on to a new team at work and you don't know anyone or things are hard. Um, time, things take time. Um, 
be persistent, try, and um, things will things will get better. Um, even when you're in your low point and you're in sweatpants or pizza <laughs> at 9 a.m. Like really, I, I mean, I, I would just encourage people to just keep moving forward and, and continuing to try. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks for your uh, honesty and yeah, like I said, I think the very real perspective on, on what's that like. I think I have for sure found this conversation very helpful and I, I'm sure our listeners will also. Thanks for uh, spending the time today, man. No problem. Happy to sadcast with you anytime. <laughs> sure. How do you spell that last name? S-H-U-R-R. Oh, so close. <laughs> Nathan Sure, everybody. Uh, really, really great to have that conversation. And it was one of these really nice moments on my trip, Calvin, out west where... Um, you know, I saw our friends Dylan and Heather. I got to hang out with a bunch of family. I got to sit down and hang out with with Nathan. And you know, did I have time for work? I did have time for work too. So it was a, a little really bit. productive trip. It was a really great trip. I mean, you're talking about you know, you I think you had you had a really great trip out west, and you had some drone footage, and you saw some friends. Got to go around the beautiful mountains. What goes hand in hand with that? A dope whip. I did have a dope whip, a very nice rental car. Um, I got to the airport. I had, uh, you know, booked a car. Our our company has a, a really good relationship with the folks over at uh, National, so I will shout them out here on the on the show. And there was a Range Rover with my name in the windshield waiting for me. That is so sweet. <laughs> Thirty five miles on it. It was brand new. I was the first. I was the first driver in it. I can't tell you, like, how, frankly, how quickly it went to my head. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm sitting in this Range Rover. I actually thought I was the coolest person on on. Right. You Earth. thought you were like just complete boss. So I get there. It's a black Range Rover with a all black leather inside of it. I'm wearing black pants and a black shirt, and like my backpack is black. My luggage is black. My iPhone is black. I'm just like I am. I am the this coolest is meant person to be. ever. Black is so cool. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, that was a funny, a funny thing to have a nice little little car to to go. Did around you in. feel that you were treated differently in any way driving that car? Because like, that's not your vibe. No, like you, now you and I, we always we drive crap cars. Now it was a Range Rover uh, Evoque, so it's pretty small. So it's kind of like similar to like an Audi Q3 so like yeah, yeah. it's not like a, yep. this like massive intimate right. like like whoa right, luxury right, right. screen it's like a $50,000 car which don't get me wrong is a lot of money but it's not like it's this insano thing uh, $50,000 compact SUV right exactly so, I mean and frankly it's like maybe mid-range in Vancouver where like you're driving down the road and every other car is nicer than that. Very true. Very so true. it's kind of right, right in line. So no, I didn't find anyone treated me any differently. Um, but it was fun to, uh, you know, to, to show the show it off to the friends. So yeah, yeah, for sure. And the trip rounded out with a really great call from my parents while I was at the airport, uh, waiting to catch my flight home my dad big rudy ends gave me a call and he said the rv has been fixed and it is running again resurrected talk about a piece of good news so there's so many cool parts about this um one of the things i love about this story is that like how many years ago six five six years ago when we 
sunk some dough into this thing originally. Yeah, um, 2013, had, I think. 2013. Yeah. Um, what, what was the chap's name that did all the work for Ken us? Ken Cosgrove. Ken Cosgrove. And it went back to the same guy, which I think is so cool. Yep. And there's a little bit of that in our in our episode uh, last week. A really Another really funny thing, the, the way my dad told me it was all done, is he sent me a photo of his uh, security camera system at his tire shop. Yes. And the caption was, where's Waldo? That was the caption. And so then I look at it, and then just barely on one of the angles do I see the basketball net that's hanging off of... <laughs> the rv so that was his his way of telling me that it was back at the shop and all fixed oh it's so good isn't that funny it's back where it belongs back where it belongs parked it's safe people can hang out in there now so he gave me a little scavenger hunt to find it which was kind of fun so and i was at a wedding in niagara this weekend and i fired it up and it just it sounded so good did it sound different? It did sound different. It was a little yeah. bit quieter, but it also sounded a little bit newer. Like the engine that went right. in there is, like I think, peppy. from a ninety uh, a ninety eight Chevy Silverado. Really? Yeah. V V eight. Yeah, V eight. Um, carburetor so, or fuel injected? Carburetor, still. Yeah, same yeah. thing. It's the same. Okay. Same. It's the same thing. Um, which is kind of crazy that a seventy nine would uh, you could put an engine built in, you know, ninety eight in an rv from 79 it would still be fine but you know listen she's not picky no versatile right but dude honestly when i was in that rv and i was like looking around i'm like we really 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 gotta freshen this thing up it's bad i know it's bad needs a lot of love and we're, Um, we're at that stage in our life where i feel like it that's just the next evolution where it's like you know, we aren't the grungy, hippie teenagers we used to be, and yet we still... So so we appreciate nice things a little bit more, but also... Jared, we drive Range Rovers. We drive Range Rovers. Right? In our spare time. Right. In our spare time, we drive Range Rovers. Go on. But you know what I mean? Like, we... Now the vibe is like, yeah, let's still keep the, the rustic feel of it, but, you know, you're a skilled craftsman, and, and, and you can make it an amazing... I mean, yeah, I, I, I see I see both sides of it. Like, I really do love um, keeping it nostalgic, keeping it to, you know, circa 1979 and not... Uh, I mean, I love seeing old cars when guys have done them right, not tuned them up, but kept them original. And um, I think, like, visually, it's, a, it's right there on par, the exterior. Right. It's everything you want the 79 to look like. Right. Um, I mean, there's a few things we can mod on the exterior, but... No, mostly our focus, I think, is to be on the uh, the interior, which needs a lot of love. Yeah, it needs a lot of love. Um, and I think there's some things we maybe could and should do to the exterior, but yeah, I don't, I don't want to spend a ton of energy there. I think it w- it's cool if it looks yeah. super ghetto, and then you come in yeah. and it's this fresh, bright, great feeling. I mean, I'd love to maybe try and add a little thing, uh, you know, a few little touches here and there to make it maybe with a more ghetto feel. Oh, <laughs> I mean, like if we're talking, <laughs> you know, take a sledgehammer to the bumper and no, like just add-ons, like a just little, you add-ons. know, a little, little tuft of barbed wire around the okay. top rack or something, uh, uh, you know? Uh, yeah. Okay. Good idea. <laughs> just um, make it feel a little, you know, a little more intimidating. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. I, I, you know what? That's one idea. What I'm also going to say is, 
Um, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while and you are one of our, even one of our friends from long ago that remember these early trips, or if you're someone new to listening, what are some of the things we need to be thinking about when we are doing up the inside of this RV? Um, we've already, we already have some thoughts. We already have some plans, but it, right now we're working on how to make this a collaborative effort with a bunch of different creative people and uh, yeah. woodworkers and cabinet My big makers thing is like, and, and we want to make it, a, it's going to be a collaborative project regardless. So if you want in, send us an email with some ideas. If I don't get Jeremy a rectangular cup holder to hold McDonald's French fries, I'm going to kill someone <laughs> like that is like a, why has no one ever done that before? And B, like if any vehicle needs to have that, it's this. And it has to have the fries and then in front of it, the little ketchup thing. Right. You have to have the little mini for the bucket of ketchup to dunk. Yeah. But not just so makes sense. But not so deep that you can't pull it out. New, 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 new. It's like half deep. Has to be well done. And maybe two of them. And it's right in the center console for the driver. Who could ever use like who invented that size cup for ketchup A? And like whoever uses one of those makes no sense it doesn't make sense it really does you can't get it all to your table at once you have to get a tray yep exactly so these are the types of ideas time these are the types of ideas we're looking for the mcdonald's ketchup and fry holder the kind of fun little quirky things that you know when you go in there and and you're blown away by the overall look and feel you're blown away even more when you get into the details you have to put yourself in the mind of the vagabond what he (laughs) likes (laughs) or she or she on the road, which is kind of another key element of this is we, we want to make it so nice that, you know, our our wives don't despise it as much as they currently do. I mean, Jared, before it's too late, should I snag those a couple of those old urinals <laughs> before they're gone? Before they're dumpstered? I think so. I think that's probably a wise choice. <laughs> so. hate to see them go to waste. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, any other thoughts on the RV before we wrap this up up? So excited. My thoughts are just like filled with anticipation. I'm already like thinking about little trips we're going to do. We've already talked about, I think we got like three that we're like pretty, pretty serious about right now, which we're going to be talking about in the future. Um, Just, you know, filled with intentionality and really going for that everyday adventure vibe, which, uh, which we live and breathe here on the open road pod. You got it. And it's nice to have something a little more concrete for our everyday adventure, something to think about a project to work on and, um, all with the goal again of not spending too much money on it, right? To right. do it the DIY way. We're creative guys. All we need is you know a good rectangular cup holder, and we're there. Exactly. It doesn't cost money because you can't buy it. <laughs> so thanks everybody for listening to this episode of the Open Road Podcast. I hope the conversation with Nathan was helpful for you. If you're in the middle of making decision a decision, or if you're have already made one and are kind of wrestling through what it's like to. Um, live in a new in a new way Um, I know for me it was a really encouraging conversation and again if you have any ideas about what we should do with this RV reno please please email us my email is jeremy at openroadpod.com calvin is calvin at openroadpod.com and we'd love to hear from you guys okay have a great week and uh, we'll talk to you later find yourself some adventure